Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands Podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiselled and is proudly part of the Chairshot Media Group. That's the Chairshot Media Group, Paul, for future reference, the Chairshot <laughs> Media Group. I blame Apple. <laughs> Apple. Apple haven't updated yet, I mean, which is rare for them, right? Yeah. I am Magden with me today is, uh, is my podcast wife, Mr. Paul Tolly. Paul, how are you? Oh, I'm feeling great. Re- really, really excited for tonight. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, enjoying the, the memes that uh, Five Nerds Go are pumping out uh, regarding your, your good self. Oh, yeah, they're uh, brilliant. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, well, today's guest is someone who we, we've wanted on since way before we even had the opportunity to join the, the chair shot, uh, and he's, he's actually uh, finishing the the, the trifecta of a uh, of a uh, Greg DeMarco show um, star. So today we've got Patrick O'Dowd. Patrick, how are you? Oh, I'm terrific. And, and Paul, don't feel bad. I still don't call it Chair Shot Media Group uh, <laughs> on either of my shows. <laughs> And so, as as somebody who is close to the to to the boss, uh, you're you're fine. You're fine. Good, good. That that that, that does reassure me. Uh, Darren yesterday did tell me I I I had, to, I had to get it right tonight. I was under big pressure tonight to get it right. A lot of pressure. Well, yeah. I, I have faith um, that you will maintain the the good name of the Chair Shop Media Group moving forward. I, I it'll, don't it'll be share fine. that faith. I yeah. do not share that faith. Whatsoever. You're gonna regret that about five minutes in. <laughs> Ah, well, you know. <laughs> so, Patrick, you uh, you're part of uh, the the Greg DeMarco show, but uh, you also have a uh, uh, more podcasts on on the network. So, tell us about your kind of uh, your laughing in wrestling podcast. So, yeah, I'm on the I'm on the chair. Or, sorry, on the chair. Greg DeMarco show, and the reason I get it wrong is because Greg's changed the name of the show like eight million times, and he it usually only lasts like two or three episodes before he changes it back. But as we were talking off off air before we jumped on, a lot of a lot of that podcast seems to be a, a, a lot more kind of overarching themes and topics of what's you know about what pro wrestling is and and like the the last episode we did was talking about whether or not the term heel is still a, a legitimate sort of way to describe folks and Greg has decided that no we we call them villains and I'm just like okay what, whatever you say. Uh, if that makes you happy we'll we'll do that but then the other uh the other podcast that i do isn't a wrestling podcast but it's part of the chair shop media group it's in our entertainment section and it's uh it's called bandwagon nerds 
and it is a weekly show with myself, uh, David Ungar, and he's on a hiatus right now, but DPP, who does a few other podcasts uh, on the chair shot, uh, we basically, it's basically a popular culture uh, with, with a centric, you know, focus on, on like comic books, comic book movies, television, a lot of pop, you know, popular culture sort of stuff that is coming up on its one year anniversary. We're about five weeks out. Um, we, we, always spend half the show covering something that's currently airing. So right now we're talking about the boys on Amazon, which by the way, gentlemen, if you haven't watched the boys, do yourself a favor and and check out the boys. Uh, It's terrific, especially if you like comic books of any sort uh, as it's take on the justice league is, is hilarious. Uh, And then, yeah, right now we, um, we, we then cover kind of the news of the week that that's kind of going around, which has been tough in a pandemic as it seems like every studio and their brother is announcing, you know, pushbacks on film releases on, on shooting dates, you know? And so it's a lot of, it's kind of like the wrestling business, a lot of rumor and innuendo and speculation as to what's going to happen right now. So it's, it's fun. Uh, I'm kind of sad. I didn't get to be on the show that was wrestlers and superhero characters that, that that idea we, sounded we, like a wheelhouse. We do have another one of those uh, topics in in the bag, so we can definitely uh, get oh, you involved nice. in that one. You can gladly take my place in it if you like. Oh, hey now, <laughs> what's what? What are you gonna get superheroes? I've got, I've got nothing against superheroes. I just don't know anything about them. Oh, <laughs> as as that episode pro- proved. <laughs> yeah. and, and and for more context, though, uh, whilst we were part of Brainbuster, we did a uh, an unchiselled episode and. Paul promised to watch a lot of our superhero movies to, to get caught up. And a, a, over a year later, he'd watched absolutely zero. And uh, as that episode oh, as that episode showed, he had no knowledge whatsoever. But we do have a, a DC um, comic book episode uh, in the pipeline. So, yeah, we'll definitely get you involved for that one. Oh, yeah, I'd be all for that. I, I, do, I could do that all day, to quote Captain America. Now, now Paul, Captain America is a Marvel character, very, very famous, <laughs> was created in the 1940s as World War II propaganda, and stayed with us throughout. He, Chris Chris Evans plays him. He's quite handsome. Could we have like a, a little earpiece set up for the next episode, and you could just feed amazing facts? <laughs> like I, can, I can blow Darren's mind. You could. I, I, could, be, I could be your... Uh, I, I could be your source. I could do it all day. Yeah, I'm definitely up for that. I, I, like I said, we're nothing against superheroes. Uh, I, I've, I've every intention of watching the Marvel films. Um, I got Disney Plus with the intention of doing that, and and it's the sort of thing that I know I'd be into. But I've never, I've never got into it. If that makes sense. Well, um, on the bright side, no new Marvel movies are coming out right now, so this is the perfect time to catch up on all 21 of them. That's a good point. I think yeah. it, it is where we're at, 21 or 22, some ridiculous number, uh, which when I when I watch back-to-back, which I've done on, and I don't know if this makes me cool or sad, I've done it more four or five times where you just start with Iron Man and go all the way through, and it usually takes about five days if you're just going in solid and binge watching so that's a that's a week's vacation quite impressive <laughs> i'm yeah, impressed <laughs> i mean the only movie i ever watched that like, back-to-back solidly like that is uh the lord of the rings uh 
that's I, I'll do that at least once a year where we'll just sit through all three uh, Lord of the Rings films. Not it's the funny, it's, not the Hobbit trilogy. I'm not into that. It's it's funny you mention that. It's literally I finished watching Fellowship of the Ring this morning because I'm I'm on a vacation right now, so to speak, and had some time to kill. I had like three hours to watch the Peter Jackson extended edition. Yes, only yeah. the extended editions. Right. And I actually, my, uh, my son, I have an eight year old, the little O'Dowd, he, he's a completist. And so when I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the Lord of the Rings, he was like, we well, can't do that. And I'm like, well, why, why can't I watch the Lord of the Rings? He's like, well, you have to watch the Hobbit movies first. So there's no accounting for taste. It's, it's so I watched the bloated Hobbit movies prior and they're just, they're just not, they're just too long. They're just too much. Mm-hmm. That's that's really the problem. If it was like a movie, we'd be fine with it. I think it was meant to be just a movie though, and it was the 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 studio that wanted it like bulked out to to three and yeah. yeah. Uh, which out that, of the that's one book into three, isn't it? Yeah, one book into three films. Whereas the Lord of the Rings was book as well. Yeah, uh, the, right. the 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 source for the Hobbit was a really really short book. I think only about three hundred pages, and they got right. like twelve hours of video out of it. Yeah, they had to, they had to pull stuff from other works of Tolkien within the universe to make it work. Like if you've ever seen the movies, there's like this whole side subplot where Gandalf goes off and fights a necromancer character that, in the canon of the Lord of the Rings legend is actually like 150 some years before the hobbit even takes place like it's desperation i mean they put characters in the hobbit that were never in the hobbit at least even explicitly they made up an entire elf dwarf romance subplot that just is dumb that because reasons like there's there's a lot of problems (laughs) with the hobbit (laughs) and not all of it's peter jackson's fault so, out of the original uh, trilogy, which is your favorite Hob- uh, uh, Lord of the Rings movie? My favorite, honestly, it's the Two Towers. Yes, uh, yes, I love absolutely. I love. I, it's the finale. It's Gandalf with Eomer charging down the hill as the sun rises. It's a very beautifully done scene. He's all, even with it being you know so much CGI, it's just very very well done, and. You know, Return of the King, you it just you saw like the epic nature of what they were trying to do with it all, but it also just felt I it got less practical as the movies went on with like effects. And by the time you get to Return of the King, it's just so much CGI and so much special effects. Mm-hmm. And just the the you know, and there's moments in, in that one that give me chills. Like again, the Rohan and the Rohirrim are like my favorite part of of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And so their big charge when they go to rescue Minas Tirith is, is my favorite part in, in Return of the King. But that charge down the mountain, coupled with the Ents trashing the Saruman's tower, is just, it's so well done. It's well put together. You you love, I, I don't know, I love them. I love it. It makes me so, yeah, easy. For me, it's the two towers. Yeah, same here. Uh, I love Treebeard. I think he's my favorite character in the, in the whole trilogy. <laughs> John Rhys-Davies. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, what's your uh, favorite one of the the Lord of the Rings that you clearly have never watched? <laughs> was it that obvious? <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to ask me. 
I, so, I will so Paul is not who. Sh- so I should not try to have Paul as a guest <laughs> on bandwagon no, nerds. Is what I'm absolutely have him as a guest and torment him with well, the, the, the the most minuscule facts you can think of. But but the but the interesting thing the the original premise of the show the of the, uh, the original three hosts one of the hosts was somebody who decided to because he wanted to see what the big deal was with all the Marvel movies that he watched them all in order to get caught up at the time of Endgame. And so the the original concept of the show was myself and Dave educating this guy, Rick on, uh, on comic book stuff. And, And so he was the guy we were trying to bring onto the bandwagon. And then when, when he departed the show, it, it, it kind of morphed a little bit because the show changed as well. It really did become more about uh, news and speculation and kind of freaking out and marking out over shows that we were watching. Like the first show we covered was The Mandalorian. And and so it, it changed a little bit. But the original concept was educating non, you know, non-nerds to help them become, you know, bandwagon nerds. Well, I like that as a concept. Yeah, if you ever decide to kind of reboot that that uh, series, Paul is the perfect man for that. <laughs> it third sounds role. like, yeah, even absolutely. though he's technically a nerd, being part of the five nerds, he's not a, a Marvel nerd. Yeah, I don't even know where that name come from, really. The five nerds. <laughs> but no, I do like that as a concept, and like my, some of my favorite episodes of this is because I'm by no means a, a wrestling expert at all, and, and I've not watched these large swathes of wrestling in the past. I never even watched. I love it when we get a really knowledgeable guest on, and they actually come and teach us t- teach us something. Or or, your, or yourself, Darren, when you were when when you know some really good nuggets, it's rare. It's rare, but um, <laughs> wow, the backhandiest comment. <laughs> but what you do is, I, I, I those are the, those are the episodes I enjoy. Yeah, same. I, 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 I don't like to think that we we are preachy on this show. We don't we don't say that we know everything because we don't. I, I right. missed well over a decade of wrestling, um, and then obviously all the stuff that I wasn't born for. There's all that as well. Um, but yeah, uh, we. We'd just like to have fun with with the the topic and, and with the guests. And if you can't have a bit of fun with wrestling, what what on earth are you watching it for? Right, that's wrestling's meant to be fun. It's meant to be enjoyed. So let's uh let's let's kick it off then, uh, Patrick. This is your first time on Badlands, so what we like to do is uh we like to get the the guests uh, Mount Rushmore, the greatest wrestler of all time, and and then Mister Tully in the uh, the accountant that he is likes to uh, collate those uh those results and and. Uh, 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 basically form a definitive Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers. So who are your four wrestlers who, who appeal to you and, and a little bit of reason why? So I'm going to lay this on you real quick, Tolly. Your math is going to be so easy today. <laughs> Good. I like <laughs> it that I, way. I've, I've been keeping up and I'm not moving the needle in any way, shape or form with, with any of the stuff I'm putting out there. But uh, I'll start with, I'm actually going to give you two of my four at once because they belong together. And and if you've ever heard me talk about them on the Greg DeMarco show, growing up, I was a big fan of the AWA in the Midwest because I grew up in, in rural Illinois, uh, in you know farmland Illinois, and we got Vern Gagne's company. And to me, there were no, there was no greater heel pairing than Nick Bockwinkle and Bobby Heenan. And... They they were so perfect together. Nick Bockwinkle was like this composed, 
suit-wearing, classy champion with the perfect hair, and he would do these promos where he would just talk about how he he was just so much smarter and, and was better than everybody that would com- compete with him. And Bobby Heenan, who started as a wrestler before he unfortunately was injured to the point where he could no longer work, he was he was this brash, rude mouthpiece that would just go right along with it. And and if I, I tell people to go to YouTube and just search Bachwinkle and Heenan's promo on Mad Dog Vashon, where Bachwinkle comes in and he talks about how a man of his stature shouldn't have to be put up against a savage such as such as Mad Dog Bash, Mad Dog Vashon. He's this terrible piece of trash that that and he doesn't call it trash because he, he's like some fancy word for trash. I can't even remember. But he goes on and on about all this. And then Bobby Heenan walks in with a newspaper that he's rolled up and he's like, and it's, you know, what you do with a dog that's been misbehaving. When a dog's been misbehaving, you take a newspaper and you whap it on the nose. And he starts talking about how you beat that dog down. And it's like the complete opposite, but they were so good together. And of course, Bobby Heenan then would move on and become one of the greatest managers of all time. Everybody has loved him. I, if Nick Bockwinkle had ever worked for the WWE, he would have been as big a star as anybody you've ever seen, especially on the heel side of things. He would have been a great heel for for Hulk Hogan. He would have been a great heel for any sort of baby face. Love them to death. And so I know neither one of them are even close anywhere on your list, and that's fine. Um, but they're they're mine. They're they're two of my two of my absolute favorites. Both brand new picks. Oh, look at that! Yeah, we haven't had we haven't had new picks for a while, and uh, here we go. Yeah, and, and and it just goes to speak to the subjectivity of Mount Rushmore that it's not about who. There's no definitive answer, even though we're attempting to make a definitive right, Mount right. Rushmore. It's it's what what appealed to you as a person, and yeah, they're two stellar picks. Sure. Um, my next one, I mentioned his name when I was talking about features in the WWE uh, as a child of the '80s. Hulk Hogan was the beginning and the end of pro wrestling for me. And he's a terrible human being, but as a wrestler, uh, and, and I was right in the middle of Hulkamania, the say your prayers, take your vitamins. And I was young enough. I remember when he departed the WWE for WCW, I didn't really get it right away. Like when he lost to Yokozuna and gave the title back at King of the Ring and then just sort of disappeared, I kept being like, well, when's he coming back? Mm-hmm. When's he coming back? When's he going? And it took me a while to be like, wait a minute, he's over on what's this other company that exists? Which, you know, it's funny, see, because I just talked about how I watched the AWA, so I knew there were other companies, but WCW didn't even register because by the time he was over there, it was full WCW mode. But you know, if you ask random people on the street, even to this day, name a professional wrestler, he's he's usually the first to third name that people would name, and he. It will be a tremendous deal when he dies. People in his legacy and the direction that he he pulled wrestling into its first bout into the mainstream, and you can't argue his his footprint. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we all know of, of the the kind of terrible person that he is, but right, there's, right. There's, there's no doubt in the fact that um, Vince leans on on Hogan whenever he feels that uh, the company's under pressure. He knows if he brings Hogan in, he's going to get uh, a, a spark in views and and stuff like that. So yeah, he, he's 
is its footprint on the wrestling world will can never be diminished. Uh, it's just, yeah, he's not a nice person, but you don't I, have I, to be a nice person to be a wrestler. I just stopped, I stopped following him on Twitter. I stopped following, like, I just stopped reading what he says. And every once in a while, I'll pop in, you know, Hogan Andre. And I don't care how bad people think that match is, because uh, it's not a it's not a beautiful match. But you want to see a pop comparable with anything you've ever heard in your life. When he slams Andre, Silverdome just loses its top. So great, great yeah. stuff. I think I think newer kind of newer fans coming in now. Not, not they fault. I'm younger fans coming in now. Sure. I, I don't think they can look even watching back on the network can truly appreciate how big Hulkamania was. No, it, it, was, it was it was massive. It was on. It was unreal. And then my my last one is a guy that a, a lot of folks don't like, um, but I think he has shown not only his longevity and his role as a top heel and top guy in the company, but is helping steer the direction of the WWE today, and that's Triple H. Uh, I think that he's he's been this fascinating mix of a respect of what the business was and yet has had enough of a mind to recognize where the business needs to go. And you look, you know, we talk about NXT all the time. NXT isn't what it is if Triple H isn't at the reins and at the helm. And, you know, his, I think he's going to be one of those names that, that you know 10, 10 20 years down the line regardless of where his role is within the company like he's going to he's going to be recognized even longer i think he's definitely going to be some of those people one of those people that gets appreciated more once he's out of the spotlight of the wrestling business just because of what he brought to the WWE and the way that he's kind of dragged Vince McMahon into the, the 21st century with whether it be smaller guys who can work, whether it be a presentation out of NXT and a, and a look and a feel, whether it's just recognizing good talent and knowing to trust the talent to do the work. And that's, that's going to be a huge deal for, for years to come. So triple H was my, was my fourth. And another great pick and someone who who's slowly building up a, a little bit of a, um, of a list of picks on, on our Mount Rushmore. And I think that's more because you can see the end of his career coming. And we found recently that, uh, that the majority of picks of people who, who, who have finished their wrestling career, we don't get a lot of picks of people who are, who are still that in the pram of the career. Um, it's great. Pick. Com- he's, he's top of the, uh, of the wrestlers who haven't had 10 votes yet. If that's, if there's such a thing as a group, of, <laughs> <laughs> as a group, he's on seven now. So he, you're right. He is starting to get some real momentum. Yeah, I think it's a great. I think it's a fantastic pick. Yeah, I, I think his heel work was phenomenal. Yeah, I always found that he was never looked at as the guy, though. Uh, when you had like uh, the Rock and Austin, he was Triple H for me was never the one top guy. He was always like part of a group of maybe three right. to four people who were at the top. Uh, but in terms of his work with NXT, you, you've got to hand it to him. He's, he's, he's really kind of pushed the the envelope and he knows what, what wrestling fans want. Uh, my only concern would be that if he does uh, take over uh, of the whole company, I don't think the, the sweeping changes that, that a lot of wrestling fans are hoping for will come into effect yeah. because Vince... 
he answers to he answers to uh, the finances and the shareholders and and the the licensees and the sponsors and stuff like that. So Triple H will still have these masters to serve. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the future of WWE is definitely in good hands with Triple H. Though. Right, and and he's got Stephanie that's going to be a part of that too. Like they are, they I'm are, sure. yeah, they are, they are a power couple, and yeah, and Shane as well. So you're right, like there's a reason that they, they are the company that they are and, and shareholders have a big, big thing to say about that ever since they went public. So it's a thousand percent. It's a, a great Mount Rushmore of, of wrestlers that you put forward. Paul, um, what, what does that do to move and shake up our, our Mount Rushmore collated? Well, it's only, it's only had one effect at the top end and that, uh, that's kind of solidified Hulk Hogan's fourth place again. He's uh, he's now gone one ahead of the Undertaker thanks to Patrick's pick there. Oh, wow. and like I said, Triple H starting to make some ground on, uh, well, on 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 the, the the Brett and Sean battle. Maybe it'll become a Brett, Sean, and Triple H battle in a in a few weeks and months. Oh, that, <laughs> not for nothing, but that match would put butts in the seats. By the way, wouldn't it? Like a, a Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Brett Hart match. Oh. It's it, that's slowly God. become the kind of most interesting battle that we've had on the Mount Rushmore, the 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 our own Montreal screw job, essentially. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the one to watch. And and, and Hogan Undertaker is really interesting as well. That they are now kind of battling for that fourth spot. So Rick's great. just laughing away at the top. <laughs> <laughs> wooing. He's just wooing. Just wooing. <laughs> So, Patrick, let's get on to this main topic. Uh, the topic we assigned you is um, is the NWO members that are not the big three. So, uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan, the original uh, NWO members. Uh, obviously, they were, if if you make a Matt Rushmore of NWO, they would be the first three picks. I would I would assume. Right. Um, so, we thought it'd be a bit more of a challenge to kind of like pick four like underlings almost. So, um, who's the first person who, who you pick for your Matt Rushmore of, of NWO, NWO members outside the big three? So if I were to, I went with who I would have named number four and it's Eric Bischoff. And I still remember where I was sitting when he was talking to Roddy Piper about, I'm going to try to get you your match to Hogan, you know, or I, sorry to back it up before he's doing a promo where he's like, I'm trying to get a hold of Roddy Piper. We're going to bring Roddy Piper in. And then Piper shows up at nitro and walks in and starts calling him up. And I'm like, Oh shoot, we're he's Bischoff's in the NWO. Oh, that's what we're going with here. And was that last sort of piece of the puzzle for early NWO in the power play that they were gonna have there? Because now the guy who is the you know, the I can't even remember what he's called, like the executive director or whatever his position was. Harvey Schiller. Well, Harvey Schiller comes in to suspend him. Mm-hmm. And was the like vice president of sports and media for Turner. Like he was the Turner rep. Bischoff was the president of WCW, but he answered to Harvey Schiller. And and I remember that like Harvey Schiller suspending Eric Bischoff and then Bischoff running him down. Uh, Eric Bischoff just always being that power broker within the NWO to help those guys out, give them their steps uh, or give them their, um, give them their advantages. And, Oddly enough, I've had a, a couple of memorable, maybe not good memorable matches, but had some some consequential matches in, in the storylines that were going on. Like it was always Hogan's guy 
but you know he worked against Larry Zabisco in an often forgotten match in Starcade mm-hmm. before the terrible Sting Hogan match where Bret Hart was the referee and and Zabisco gets the win and pulls WCW away from from Eric Bischoff and the it was just he was always there and kind of a that continual guy and he made himself himself his own character you know he worked against Ric Flair that was that feud by the way when Ric Flair comes back it was just great and he he was just as important, I think, as the the first three, the original three. Yeah, it's a solid pick, and I think it's is it my turn to go first? I was uh, Paul. Uh, it was only yesterday, and I can't remember. You know, I think it is. And my, <laughs> my first pick is exactly for exactly the same reason as as uh, Patrick has said. Man was Eric Bischoff. If I was to make the uh, if I was to include the original, it was the number four. Uh, it was just like like Patrick said, it was a massive power play. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere, but you you always kind of like thought that if anyone was to solidify this group, it would have been bringing in the boss and it it worked perfectly. Uh, it it kind of got a little bit bloated, but like you said. Uh, Bischoff did get involved in matches. He had the the match at um, Road Wild with uh, uh, Hogan and uh, against DDP and Jay Leno. So he, he wasn't kind of a adept at, at, at getting into the ring. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, a great pick, and uh, it was interesting when he came back uh, and finally put finished the NWO once and for all when he uh, when he him and Vince Russo came back with, with the new blood. So yeah, I've got to echo uh, Patrick's sentiments and, and put Eric Bischoff first. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Yeah, and I've got to agree. Um, Eric Bischoff is going to be my my first pick as well. So <laughs> there you go. Unanimous oh. um, Mount Rushmore there. Wow. Great man's think alike. That, that, was, that was an easy start. That was, a, that was an easy start. <laughs> oh, it'll get it'll get worse, especially for for, oh. for, for us. <laughs> All right. So let's go to you for, for pick number two then, Patrick. All right. So my number two pick was a guy who actually wasn't in the NWO, NWO for very long. I mean, he was. He was another one of the initial groups, and that was um, Six, a.k.a. X-Pac, a.k.a. Sean Waltman. He was the sixth guy, I think, after uh, Ted DiBiase. 
uh, who came in, started by being a dude with a video camera filming things around. And he was supposed to be the the X Division guy, and he was, uh, and, and had a really great match at Uncensored. I think it was against Eddie Guerrero mm-hmm. uh, for, it was either the Cruiserweight, I think it was the Cruiserweight belt. Um, I couldn't remember if it was that or the U.S. title. He also, again, had a memorable little back and forth with Ric Flair and a little feud with Ric Flair. Then he got hurt. And infamously, after getting hurt, was was fired while at home. Uh, Kevin Nash being all devi- defiant in an episode of Nitro and him and Scott Hall always, you know, calling out the six. And he would then go on to the WWE and, and join DX and give a, a pretty famous promo there. But he he really was back when the NWO was really this concept of a, of a WWE invasion and these guys that were, were famous in another company. Here's the one, two, three kid, which the irony is never lost on anything that one plus two plus three equals six um, was going to be, was going to be another, another element. And if they were looking to just take over every division that he was going to be the guy who could go toe to toe with Rey Mysterio, could go toe to toe with Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, all those got Chris Jericho until Jericho moved up a weight class. And, and it was just, it was another, what I thought was a great addition that unfortunately because of an injury and, and a poor business decision got cut short. I think if he hadn't gotten hurt, he he probably doesn't leave mm-hmm. in the way that he does. So six was my, was my second one. Another great pick. Uh, he's not one who I had on my list, but I, I, I certainly remember him returning to, to Raw after uh, being uh, fired from, from WCW in that promo when uh, Triple H, it was literally straight after uh, Michaels had lost to, to Austin at, at WrestleMania. Yep. And he was the first guy that, that joined the new DX. Uh, yeah, great pick. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to so, go Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, interesting. Uh, interesting. So uh, he, he joined the NWO in uh, 97 due to uh, kind of du- dual motivations. Um, Eric Bischoff told him he wasn't going get, to get a contract with WCW if he didn't join the NWO. And obviously, Miss Elizabeth was also in, uh, in the NWO as well. Um, so it, um, it was a bit of a no-brainer for Randy to ultimately joined the NWO and then Elizabeth was his gift from Hogan Hall and Nash the night after helping Hogan defeat Roddy Piper in in a, a segment that looks like quite sinister now. Right? Especially when you know that they weren't even married at that time as well. They, they split up. It was even more creepy. Yeah. Yeah, really. They, they, they played that lie so mm-hmm. well because they had not been together for quite some time. Uh, even even prior to them jumping over to the WCW, yeah. and so it was it was fascinating. I mean, they knew they knew where their money was made, right? Like they they knew how how to make bank, and, and that they had been divorced for quite some time. But that that coupling, the reason I left Savage off on mine was because he was sort of this. He was he was always like rotating loyalties a lot of times, and so he was there, then he wasn't, then he was, and and. I uh, like I because I still remember the infamous like I've been blackballed promo and he's following Sting around before he then just sort of joined for a, like you said Paul like being having a contract held over his head because reasons uh, we moved him <laughs> over but uh, you can't deny and, and again you know an all timer 
in that group. Like, not hard to to argue there. Yeah, and I think I'm I, I'm putting him in uh, due to a lot of the stuff he didn't do he didn't do with the NWO and kind of right. uh, I have kind of come at this with it from the angle of great wrestlers who were in the NWO, right? Rather than uh, wrestlers who were great in the NWO, but also I put him in because he he was so influential in kind of tearing the NWO apart. Um, yeah, in uh, they in, couldn't uh, control him. He he was the wild control card. him, and uh, and uh, Hogan didn't want him to win the world title because only right. Hogan should be the world champion. And uh, but but he went ahead and won it. And Nash betrayed Hogan in uh, helping Macho Man win it. And then you kind of got the fallout from that, and uh, which led to uh, NWO Wolfpack as well. So actually, I think Randy Savage is a really pivotal uh, member of the NWO. Yep, so it's a, a great pick. I didn't think you'd actually go for for, for Randy because, like you said, he, he wasn't he wasn't like a one of the the very original ones, uh, and he did do more face turns than than a big show. Right. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to veto him. I'm going to take veto. Oh. oh, and I'm going to replace him too uh, with someone who was was in the NWO f- from very early on, and 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 quietly survived pretty much all the way through it. Uh, I'm going to go with Vincent. So uh, Vincent, his real name is Mark, Mark Jones. He had a, a very successful uh, time, almost a, a year in, in WRF as, uh, as Ted DiBiase's manservant and bodyguard uh, before he left the company in, in the mid, uh, mid-1994. And after a couple of years on the Indies, he appeared in uh, WCW as Vincent, uh, where he was the head of security for, for NWO. Um, obviously, that, that name is a, a, a very, very clear dig at Vince McMahon. Uh, and his actual the role was actually uh, set up for for Charles Rat, also known as a Godfather, uh, and he'd actually verbally agreed to to sign the contract. But uh, Jones kind of uh, kind of gazumped him when he uh, he <laughs> offered to do the job for for a lot less money. So they brought in uh, Matt Jones instead. Uh, as long as long as he was able to get his unlimited breadsticks and the <laughs> Olive Garden, I'm sure he was fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he clearly um, learned nothing from being next to the million dollar man, did he? Yeah, I think that it was just learned behavior. Just do the right. job for the the littlest amount possible. <laughs> <laughs> He's conditioned. Yeah. Can, can I tell you my favorite my favorite thing about about Pack is that he is the proud owner of probably one of the the most popular wrestling meme pictures of all time. Where he just, just sat at a table by himself. On his own. <laughs> wrestling. Wrestling's former something Virgil, or I can't even remember what it says, but oh, I love it. It, it so looks classic. so forlorn. Like, like, what has my life become? <laughs> uh, but but I, I love, uh, he's a great follow on Twitter, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, just, you know, to talk about getting the meat sauce and the breadsticks and, and all that. And oh, he makes me smile. Yeah, so uh, getting back to his, his role in in the right. NWO, it was a uh, he didn't really have a, a big role. To be fair, he had a, a bit of a man of success when he came in, uh, winning lap matches on on Saturday night, WCW Saturday night. It uh, was often that kind of the the valet uh, position with uh, with the likes of Scott Norton, Starner, Conan, uh, Brian Adams. Um, 
and he would also be the guy who, who took a, a bit of an ass whooping when the rest of the, right. the NWA ran off. Uh, his actual first pay-per-view match was at Starcade 97 when he teamed up with Norton and uh, the guys replaced Randy Savage to beat uh, the Steiner brothers and, and Paul's favourite wrestler ever, the big boss man, a.k.a. Ray Trailer. Uh, and then his next match on pay-per-view was uh, when he was in the 60-man Battle Royal World War Three. He only ever had one uh, WCW pay-per-view singles match uh, when he lost to uh, fellow NWO member Stevie Ray in a Harlem Street fight. Uh, and then he, when the split came, he, he sided with NWA Hollywood uh, and uh, was then part of the, the black and white, a.k.a. the B team, uh, after the NWO reunited in, in 1999. And like I said, he was one of the last remaining members when it was quietly dissolved in, in summer of 1999. So, yeah, I'm going to replace... Uh, Randy Savage with uh with Vincent. He also used to he was always the guy with the spray paint. Mm-hmm. Like he was always the one carrying it into the ring. I always remember that uh too when he would go. It was pretty much the lackey of the group. He was, but he, he played that role very, very well though. And it's it, you you're right. He was such a consistent presence mm-hmm. with within the group. So yeah, now got a mad love to to Vincent. See, I was I was quite dismayed that you that you'd vetoed there until I until I found out he was always the guy with the spray paint. That's a really important he, role in. He, in he always actually. had the spray paint. He always was the one carrying the spray paint in. So he's, and, he's more pivotal and, than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's levels to why I veto Paul. It's not just just it's not just to get back at you. Not to spite. <laughs> there is there is an element of spite, a huge element of spite. <laughs> So, Patrick, let's go to you for, for your third pick. Okay. So, this one, that for my third pick, this one propelled a career into a main event superstardom level character, in my opinion, and that's Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner turning on his brother against the Outsiders in you know, the world tag team feud that never ended by the time they finally are up for the gold, they have the belts. And then we, Scott Steiner turns on his brother, Rick gives the outsiders the world tag team titles again and joins the NWO and leads to the big Papa pump character, the big bad voodoo daddy and everything that people had seen out of Scott Steiner for years. And because Scott was so loyal to his brother, Rick would not leave him. And, and not that Rick and and it's funny because Rick was fine as a singles competitor on his own. If you look at old NWA footage, like he was a former TV champion, he's a member of the Varsity Club. He came back to the Varsity Club later when they when they revived it. And you know, when Scott came in because he was the younger brother, he was too young to wrestle when, while Rick was gone. Joined up, they were this terrific tag team. Everybody loved him, and it was like this unheard of thing when when he betrayed his brother. Even though they were they were teasing him, showing it was a matter of when, not if. And when it finally happened, you just you just couldn't believe it. And, and it he became a main event star. Like it took him a little bit of time, but he became a main event guy, you know, refusing to wrestle Lex Luger uh, for, for the longest time, which may not have been the worst decision because I, I like Lex, but let's let's be real. Uh, and, and as things started to fall apart around WCW, like he really was this forefront heel wrestler top of the nwo when, when things started to f- started to fade away and his 
and it, it just it just made him take another step as a as a character in a career and he he became one of the backbone members of the nwo in like 98 99 when when things started to shift and, and things were really a, a challenge and a struggle for for wcw in general yep it's a, a great pick and um it was going to be my next pick as well but I've got a feeling that Paul's going to veto out of spot, so I'm I'm not going to put him forward. But yeah, he he was for me. He was the the one person that the NWO created uh, yes. to be the biggest star. It was absolutely just a, a transformation in in character. Uh, the the promos that he did were absolutely legendary. I, I mean, I still remember the uh, the the one of, of against Ric Flair where he told him that he should have uh, spent a little bit of money to fix his crooked yellow teeth. Yeah, he's just. He became a, a huge star because of joining the NWR. So, yeah, it's a, a great pick. Yeah, really good pick. Um, so, yeah, now I'm not uh, going to pick him. Uh, I'm, I am going to pick another Scott. I'm going to pick uh, Scott Flash Norton. Nice. Um, he's not necessarily someone who uh, a lot of uh, casual wrestling fans are going to recognize, but uh, it was definitely one of the, the toughest ever wrestlers to compete in WCW. Uh, he started uh, for a time as a, as part of a tag team uh, with Buff Bagwell, who is also another uh, NWO former member. Uh, their, their team was called Vicious and Delicious. Um, and when Bischoff was revealed as kind of the spokesman of the NWO, he issued uh, an ultimatum that said all WCW wrestlers had 30 days to join the NWO or, or face the consequences. And Scott was uh, one of the first of the, the this initial group of new members. Uh, he was never really a high-profile member of the NWO uh, or NWO Hollywood, uh, and he was essentially part of, of the, the, the B team. But where Scott kind of did come into his own is his uh, link to Japan. Uh, Japan have always kind of uh, uh, loved their their uh, strong Western uh, gaijin wrestlers, and Scott Norton was a massive star over there. He, uh, and this is where the the his importance for the NWO come in because he was one of the the biggest names uh, when that faction came over to invade New Japan uh, alongside. Uh, the leader, well, the a de facto leader of Masahiro Chono, uh, guys like the Great Muta, Hirosato, Hiroshi, Te- uh, Hiroshi Yoshi, Tenzan, uh, Kojima. Uh, Norton was was pivotal in kind of cementing that relationship between New Japan and WCW, uh, and the fact that he was a a two time uh, IWGP Heavyweight uh, Champion in in uh, whilst he was member of uh, of NWO uh, New Japan, it kind of a uh, it's, it, it really did well to solidify that that partnership, and he even brought the 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 IWGP title to to the US and defended it on Nitro. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go with uh with Scott Flash Norton for my for my second pick. Yes, yeah, good pick. You know, you know, I can't veto um, anything from New Japan. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> I have found your weak point, Tyler. This is my weak link. By by the way, true story. Scott Flash Norton was my fourth as well. Oh really? Uh, wow, we really—he we, hes so solid, you know. It, it was like when you when I to me it was about mainstays. When, like when I really went through this list, and I kind you know there was kind of the people that put their toe in, took their toe out, or you know kind of rotated. And there's a lot of fine wrestlers, and, and I like I wrestled with the Wolfpack sort of thing and all that. But at the end of the day, like you could count on every WCW program. You were going to get an NWO presence, and there were a couple of names that you 
could count on were going to be those guys, and they were never going to leave the, the group. And Scott Norton, like whether it was with Vicious and Delicious or whether it was by himself, he was always he always had Vincent with him a lot of times. Like he was one of the guys who had Vincent like sort of kind of. And you believed Scott Norton could kick the crap out of you. Yeah. Like you looked at that guy, you're like, that's a guy you don't want to run into in a dark alley. Yeah, it, it fulfilled that that muscle role perfectly. Oh yeah, uh, it was. And ironically, his nickname was Flash, but there was nothing really Flash no. about him. It was just a a big beefy brawler and uh, added like a legitimacy to to the group for me. So Tolle, if uh, if that was uh, Patrick's fourth pick, it's uh, straight to you to to round off our Mount Rushmore. Well. You're gonna wish you picked you left you kept your veto. I think. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I I said with my with my first pick that I was looking at at great wrestlers who were who were in the NWO rather than great wrestlers in the NWO, and there's no greater than Shawn Michaels. Um, other than oh. other than the, the top three, of course. You absolute <laughs> snake. So <laughs> we're going to uh, to the. Um, Rather watered down version of the NWO that appeared in uh, (laughs) in WWE when um, Vince McMahon um, brought the NWO to his own company to destroy his own company. Um, Remember the kind of the famous uh, Vince McMahon promo in the in the mirror where he had the NWO scrawled on his chair, Um, and. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was, uh, we say it's watered down, and um, and it wasn't very impressive when NWO came to WWE, but it did. It, it, it felt big at the time uh, when the kind of the original three, um, the original three came back, and it led to certainly my favorite um, WrestleMania match of all time um, with Hogan and The Rock. And obviously, it was, it was that match that kind of, where the fans, um, the fans got behind Hogan and kind of turned his head and he was no longer worthy of the NWO where it kind of all started to started to go wrong. And um, so Hogan was, Hogan was kicked out um, because of, because of, because he showed the rock respect and he was replaced by um, six X-Pac and then joined by Big Show and Booker T. And then in June 2002, Kevin Nash introduced the newest member, which was Shawn Michaels. And again, I've, when he was announced, I felt this was big. It felt like a big moment that Shawn Michaels was going in the NWO. As it turned out, it was terrible and lasted a month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, well. which was Kevin Nash's fault because uh, uh, a month later in a tag match, he blew his quad. And a week after that, Vince McMahon came out and killed the NWO and said it said it was no more. So Shawn Michaels didn't really achieve anything in the NWO at all other than that one moment with his NWO hat on. Um but I mean it was a beautiful hat. It was a beautiful hat. <laughs> it's a beautiful hat. Yeah. <laughs> um it was quite significant that NWO were in WWF or in WWE, sorry. And um and Shawn Michaels is one of the greatest of all time and f- features very highly on our Mount Rushmore. So uh if we're looking at greatest wrestlers who are in the NWO, I can't, I can't look past him. I, I don't know if I would have actually vetoed it because I, for all the the points that you made, he was a great wrestler. And at the time, it felt like a huge deal when he was uh, when he was being involved. Yeah. That's what I feel sometimes is like we look back on moments with a bit too much hindsight. Like the, when the invasion yeah. happened, 
the invasion felt amazing and for and for like the weeks it was happening just because it ended poorly right we shouldn't forget that actually it was actually quite riveting when it was all going on and, I mean, and it's, kicking off. it's still a theme that they try to do in wrestling today. I mean, you look at retribution and it's basically an NWO theme. It's basically a, a it's basically an invasion angle. They've been trying to replicate it for decades and really speaks a lot to the influence of the NWO and WCW and just what it did to wrestling in the business to where it's still considered a bankable angle to run in various ways, shapes or form. And, and yeah. you're right. When, when Shawn Michaels puts the hat on and, and joins the NWO and in the moment, you think that this is going to continue to go and have legs pun intended, you know, Kevin, but <laughs> you know, I think, the, I think, the, I think the real challenge that, that has plagued the WWE and this kind of, I'm sorry if I'm getting a little off topic here is it's, it's the they, they kind of put their toe in and kind of halfway do it. And that was the problem with the invasion angle. The idea of the invasion angle was great. And then you look at the talent that they had for the invasion angle. And there just wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of substance to the people that folks wanted to see out of a WCW invasion. The NWO, you know, Kevin Nash getting hurt and, and kind of leading to to the beginning of the end, but even just sort of the way that they brought the NWO in, the way that they performed at yeah, at WrestleMania or didn't perform at WrestleMania showed this weird hesitancy on the WWE to like kind of go full bore on it. And it's what makes me nervous about something like retribution. Like I love that, you know, we got, we got Ali out in the front of it all. And I, I'm where, where are we going? I want to know where we're going. Cause it's exciting. Mm-hmm. I just hope that they learn from their past and realized that what made the NWO so darn successful was that Bischoff and company and creative there said, we are going to, we are really going to commit to this. And when they did that and ran forward to it, their only problem was that they kept committing to it when it was long past time to change. And, and so they sort of fell victim to the other end of it. But you, you know, you're right. Shawn Michaels in the NWO sounded like a home run. They've gotten to one of the guys. They've gotten to one of the stalwarts of the WWF. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a, a very, very good pick. And like I said, I, I would have been hesitant to be to it uh, because it felt so, so huge. Um, so, yeah, you you shocked me with that one. But, yeah, uh, pleasantly shocked me. I always aim to shock. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> Well, um, I think we've come up with some great Mount Rushmore's there. And, uh, to be fair, with the NWO, we could have probably done about three or four different Mount Rushmore's. They had so oh. many bloated members. <laughs> um, but, uh, Patrick, what we need from you now, sir, is a, a topic for a future guest. Uh, what kind of Mount Rushmore uh, would you like to hear um, um, on a future episode of Badlands? So I asked you this a, a couple of weeks ago when I agreed to do the show, uh, when you sent the rundown. So... My two favorite, pa- my two big passions in professional wrestling are tag teams. Uh, I can talk about tag teams all day and enhancement talent. And so I am asking that at some point you do a, a Mount Rushmore of enhancement talent, um, whether that be in the WCW, the WWE. Because again, growing up watching this stuff, the guys that made superstars look like superstars are some of the most thankless dudes in, in pro wrestling, the enhancement guys the guys that are just there to lose. And there really are some 
truly talented enhancement talent wrestlers out there and and not necessarily the ones that people immediately think of. So I I love those guys and so I would love to see that as a Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it's a it's a, a great topic and, and one that I'll I know I'll have fun uh, deep diving into. Uh, I kind of have like sometimes have a, a bit of a an affiliation with uh, the 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 jobbers essentially. Yep. Uh, I remember the likes of uh, uh, Salvatore Sencia when he uh, when he uh, got uh, his character work. Uh, the Brooklyn Brawler, obviously one of the yeah, the more yeah. famous one uh, and. Uh, Barry Horowitz, obviously. Uh, so yeah, right. there's, a, there's definitely plenty to to pick out there. So it's a it's a great topic. That'd be a fun my, one. That Looking my, my that. guy my guy was a guy named Jim Powers. He yep. he uh, he originally tagged with Paul Roma and the Young Stallions, and Paul Roma went on to have a semi solid career. Jim Powers was what they would call a jobber to the stars. Like he was, he was that, the, that the Marty Gennetti of the group. Right there, you go. <laughs> Very much. He was definitely Marty, but I love Jim. Upset he didn't kill anyone in a in the back alley of a of a bowling. Jesus, oh stop! <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of people who need to stop talking, Marty Marty Gennetti should stop talking. Absolutely, he should. <laughs> I think it's like every other week now he's coming out with a story of, of stuff that. Uh, uh, yeah, he's yeah. he's he's not a well man. Should have really sh- mock him. To be fair, it's a shame Vince can't take ownership of ex wrestlers' social media. Right. <laughs> or Twitch accounts. Yeah. <laughs> so, Patrick, uh, this has been really, really good fun. Um, let everyone know where they can get hold of you on uh, on social media, where they can find your your content on the on the chair shop. Absolutely. So, Bandwagon Nerds drops on the chair shot every Monday. Uh, this past week, we had our minds blown as we talked about episode seven of the boys, and then got into. Uh, just a lot of a, a lot of different um, news focusing on Spider-Man in particular. Some big casting news that came out with that, and some rumors. Uh, I also am on uh, the Greg Demarco show, like we mentioned every Wednesday, uh, where Greg, Miranda, and I will talk. I was not on this week, as I as I had another commitment when they were recording. Uh, but you can find me on the Twitter. That's that's my uh, my primary social media that I use at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. That's right. There's no I in wrestling, uh, but there is one in Realist. So that's how you find me on the Twitter. Thank you so much for having me on the show, guys. I love stuff like this. I love being able to talk about you know, hit wrestling history and going back in time and, and really sort of doing that sort of thing. So being able to go back into the heyday of WCW and talk about the NWO uh, was, a, was a real pleasure. So thank you very much. You're more than welcome. It'll be an absolute honor to have you back on again in the, in the future. Uh, hopefully give Paul some, uh, some uh, superhero knowledge. Uh, but before <laughs> we get to the actual uh, outro, uh, my funnest part of the week when Paul uh, gives me editing work to do, um, we were we were actually assigned a task from uh, from one of your cohorts on the Greg DeMarco show. When oh, we had- oh, dear. We had Miranda uh, on uh, recording uh, last week, and she said we had to make you be her best friend in real life because uh, <laughs> you, you're not. She, her, her best friend is Greg, and your your best friend is Greg. But you, uh, she said, he, you don't like her, so we we said that we make you be her friend. I love I love that. There's this. Yeah, I, it's a gimmick, y'all. Like it's a gimmick. Come on, Miranda. Miranda. <laughs> Stop trying to steal my job as the co-host <laughs> on the Greg DeMarco show, and maybe we'd be a little bit closer. I don't know. I don't hate Miranda. That's that's just poppycock. 
I don't hate you. I'm just massively disappointed. I just resent <laughs> you deeply. I just don't I, trust you any further than I could throw you, Miranda. <laughs> uh, I feel like we've we've started an episode of the Days of Our Lives. I know, right? It's very dramatic. We need we need, uh, we need uh, that dramatic hamster music. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't! I can't wait to talk to Miranda next week. Then on the on the Greg Demarco show, uh, and we'll we'll clear the air. I'll clear the air. I'll try to I'll try to extend an olive branch of peace with conditions, but peace. <laughs> so, Paul, if we've ever achieved anything with Badlands, it's the fact that we have brought Miranda and Patrick together in harmony. The gift of friendship. Gift of friendship. Yeah. <laughs> so, Paul, it's your t- your time to shine, sir. Well, if you'd like to be our friends, we- we- we'll be we'll be friends with-, with with all of you. If you just follow us at Badlands Pod, um, come give us a follow and let us know what you thought of those two um, NWO Mount Rushmores. There, do you prefer Patrick's of Bischoff, Six, Steiner, and and? Uh, Norton, or did he prefer mine and mine and Darren's of uh, Bischoff, Vincent, Norton, and HBK? Quite similar ones, like there's um, quite rare that happens actually. Um, so come along, let us know. Um, you can follow Darren over at Dej at Dej Kirkby, D E J Kirkby. You can follow me at Rain Counter. Um, we've got a number of podcasts between us, he's got more than me. Um, if you head over to the Cheer Shop Media Group. You can <laughs> you can find um, uh, Darren on Five Rounds Pod, and uh, is that, that all you got on Cheer Shot? This this very show that we I, 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 yeah right I do now. this I do this one at the end I do this one at the end. <laughs> yeah, or you can go over to Visionaries oh. Global Media, and you can you can uh, you can also hear Five Rounds Pod, or you can hear Talk at the Table, or you can head over to Shooting Sportish and hear Radio Techers. You can hear me at Five Nerds Go. Just search Five at, at Five Nerds Go, and as Darren rightly says, you can hear us every single Thursday with a brand new um, wrestling Mount Rushmore um, over on Cheershot Media Group. As always, stay safe, everybody, and always use your head. Chairshot.com. Always use your head. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.